Hi everybody, just a quick programming note. We wanted to inform everyone that this episode is one of the two episodes that we recorded back in early March, or what the Firekeepers refer to as the before four times. We wanted to assure our audience that we are currently quarantining, social distancing, and hand washing on a regular basis. Enjoy the episode. Take it away, Pasta Motto. Welcome to Retro Fanfic Retrospective, the podcast where we dredge up old fanfiction and expose it to the cold, harsh light of 2020. My name is Amato, and with me are... Tori. And Dom. And coming to us from three hours in the future, we have a extra very special guest today. Can you introduce yourself? Dr. Zadium from Suburban Senshi. <laughs> Dr. Zadium of Suburban Senshi fame. We should just call you Suburban Senshi's Dr. Zadium. <laughs> TV's Frank style, right? right. Yes. Yeah, every time. <laughs> I will push all the buttons. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and thanks again, Doctor. I, I'm gonna have. Can I call you Doc? Is that yep, something that, that anyone calls you? That ever? works. Yeah, and it is. But that's like the natural way I want to condense it. <laughs> Doc X. Doc X works for me. Thank you, Doc, again for coming on at midnight where you are. But um, we all need just things to do indoors at this time because we're all quarantined. Yeah. More or less. That's yeah. okay. We wouldn't be out in public at this time of night anyway. No, definitely not. Not, <laughs> not any of us. It's like mm. a Saturday night. What, what, who would go out then? <laughs> exactly. We're not at this age. I mean, I'm 30. <laughs> yeah. That's right. <laughs> Don't want to break a hip or something. Exactly. <laughs> and Dr. Zadium, you are only the second fanfic author we've had on this show to discuss their fanfic, more or less. In your case, maybe less. <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> Can we talk about what we're talking about? Because this is... I didn't even know where to start when approaching... <laughs> when I was first approached with this subject. This is not the kind of podcast where we talk about what we're talking about. Mm. So we talk about what we're not talking about. Well, before we talk about Suburban Senshi, which is the topic of tonight's podcast... <laughs> uh, Doc. Yes. This is a... Let's start out by saying it's a Sailor Moon fan work. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about your background with fan fiction and or Sailor Moon that led you to start this thing we're about to talk about? Sure. So, um, fanfic-wise, I'd this was only really my second series of stuff. Way back in the day, I was a fan of a Disney cartoon called Bonkers, which was on the Disney Afternoon. Oh, yeah. And, uh... That was the one that was basically that Roger Rabbit, right? Correct. Yeah. yeah. And, and he was um, like a cat cop with a red nose. I love that show. Right. And I was really frustrated <laughs> because, um, it never seemed to get as much love from Disney as all the other series is. And... I mm. wanted to put more stories into that canon, you know, and to just kind of expand it out a little bit. So I, I did a series of a five or six fics in there, and then I kind of let it go. Um, I didn't do more fanfic after that, but then I um, I started getting into anime. I think, as everybody did around my age, started with Akira, and then the stuff on Sci-Fi Channel, and then mm -hmm. Toonami um, on Cartoon Network. And... I'd actually started by watching Ranma on, on tape, but then when I started watching Cartoon Network, I saw this thing, Sailor Moon, and I was like, eh, it's for girls, but I'll watch it. And, uh, <laughs> and what really impressed me was um, the one episode where Nephrite dies. 
You know, because uh-huh. up until yeah. then, you know, I, I'd seen Ronma and I'd seen lots of Western cartoons where the reset button basically gets hit after every episode or maybe every couple episodes. But here it was like, here was a lasting change. The dude died and he didn't come back, you know, <laughs> and it... There's even a little bit of fallout. They don't immediately forget it. Exactly. And that was sort of a revelation to me because it was the first time I really encountered what I would consider long-form storytelling in an animation format. And I'm like, I want to see more of this. So I consumed everything of the dub that I could. And, um, of course, we all know it ended right after R. And I was like, oh, man, I want more. So then I found out that there was... um, there were Japanese subtitled versions out on the internet from a, a site which is long gone now called Senchi TV. They basically um, had all the episodes through stars in real media format. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. I think real I'm... media is how I watch stars. Yeah, Absolutely. I've still got those files somewhere. Yeah. I remember yes. that website. I literally really? spent, yeah. like, um, I was in law school at the time, um, showing my age a little bit. I, I spent <laughs> a month solid locked up my phone on dial-up grabbing those episodes off senshi tv and i <laughs> i consumed it all like re- started again at the beginning went all the way through and i was like this is a great story these are great characters and i want to do more with them but at the time i didn't i was it was around uh 1998 or so and i kind of put it away but they were always in my head and then i got on usenet um which for those who don't know what it is, it was like a big discussion forum over the internet where you just send text messages. Te- well, messages made of text back and forth, not exactly <laughs> text messages. That's where I ran into more fanfic authors and what they were doing with their series is, and um, got onto alt fan Sailor Moon, uh, which is when they started having discussions and I saw short stories on there. And, you know, I was like, I want to throw my hat into this ring. So then I started writing a few short stories. They were well-received, or at least I didn't get any death mail. So I was like, I'll do more. So then I started doing a weekly series, which is where the the foundation of Suburban Senshi came from. Because it was actually inspired... I I don't have the names of the authors, unfortunately, because it's been so many years. But there were two fics. Um, One of them was about the, the Senshi going shopping... And it just portrayed them with all kinds of uh, personality foibles that made sense. Like Haruka was into the sports department. Setsuna was just kind of off on her own, lonely. You know, Hotaru was looking <laughs> at lamps. And I'm like, yeah, I can I can run with this and turn it up to 11. And, um, <laughs> and so I took that sensibility and um, ran with it and just kind of put that energy into Suburban Senshi. The idea was that at, at the beginning anyway that the everybody knew about the inner senshi because they were the core cast and they're always focused on but here you had the outer senshi and some of the villains who really didn't get that much attention other than you know broad strokes like you know i'm haruka and i'm michiru we love each other and we'll do whatever we can to save the world even if it means making sacrifices full stop and i'm like There's got to be more to that. So I took those guys and I started building the core of the storytelling around them. Like, what if I shoved them all in a house together? What would happen? And then over time, Senshi Creep began as I brought the others in as well. Um, But I I think that's a good enough background for how it all started. (laughs) Let's stop there for a little bit before you continue the story. Because one of the things that I think we poked around at, or at least I read the rewritten versions of like the first few of the original fanfics. Mm -hmm. 
And I had read the originals, you know, 15 years ago, whatever, like a long time ago. Yeah. Um, but so, is there anything we want to chat about, kind of, for those sorts of early incarnations of it? Well, there's actually, between the rewrites and the early ones, there's not that much difference except, you know, having something like 13 years of history in between. I, I did a little bit of foreshadowing for events that happen later on, because I kind of know what happens later. So I, I just enhanced it that way. But um, the, the only thing I would say is that the very first set of stories. Um, well, to, to backtrack for a second, the other anime that I really got into when I was in law school was Dragon Ball Z, which again, I turned to fan subs because they, they'd only gotten to a certain point in the West. And um, I really loved the fighting sensibility of Dragon Ball Z. And, you know, nowadays it would be just like Precure, magical girls punching things. But I was like, right. I <laughs> want to throw that into Suburban Senshi as well. So I wanted, because I wanted the Senshi to, to have action elements, because in the show you always got like stock footage of them attacking and that was it. I'm like, no, there's got to be more. So anyway. You, you've, you've also stated in like one of the, the background things that we read that the, the initial, initial conception was that they would never transform at all. And it would just be entirely like this kind of you know, day-to-day -day kind yes, of Yes, I was stuff. I was going for... Um, thank you for reminding me of that. I was going for a more sitcom vibe, which is like, this is their lives at home. Because my conceit was, initially at least, um, and I sometimes remember that this still is a thing, uh, if you notice when Haruka and Michiru come out, they always get like the watercolor effects and it's woo-woo-woo and they look perfect and, you know. So I called that, I have an in-universe term for that called the Ikuhara right. Perfection Field. Um, I think it was also used by someone else on using it as well, and I stole it. Um, but the, the <laughs> idea basically is that when they are at home, they're just like normal people. You know, they they, they um, fart, they, they, you know, make crude jokes, whatever. They're not perfect. They're just normal folks. But when they get outside, because of the perfection field, whenever someone else in public who doesn't really know them perceives them, Bam! The watercolor kicks in, and they look perfect, and you're just in love with them. You're like, they're amazing. So I think in one of the Japanese audio dramas, Michiru does quite confidently state that she does not fart. Yes, <laughs> she, she does, and and that that's kind of um, the sensibility that I bring to her as well. Very elite, very um, above everyone else. Um, but but yeah. So in the beginning, it was a a sitcom, more or less, about their everyday lives. And I, I originally said, you know, if I have them transforming, I have failed. But then after a while, I, I, when I, especially when I wanted them to start doing more action things, and when I realized, you know, for comedic effect, it's better for, to have them transform, I just ran with it. And also, I mean, if I'm going to do something like have one of them fall out of a window, if you can transform into a magical girl, you're not going to not transform and hit the ground. You're going to transform and land perfectly you know so eventually that went by the wayside but but that was the idea i'd like to talk a little bit about the comedy in those early episodes i only reread re like the first couple mm -hmm. but it seems to me there's a lot of you know f i'm not sure quite how to describe it. it a lot of meta kind of commentary things you you take you take some of the concerns that fans have and put them into the characters for humorous effect and so like the the gag of 
Hotaru being very, very concerned about Chibiusa's romantic inclinations towards her father and or a horse is like the kind of thing that that they never really address in the show, but fans are very, very concerned it's about. It's a good concern. Yeah, yeah. no, I, totally reasonable. Exactly, because that's that's how I kind of wanted to angle it. I, I was taking all of the um, the gags and the tropes and the concerns that people were expressing on Usenet. Like, for example, the other one being, you know, Mamoru looks just like a recolored Satsuna, if you really think about it. And That was a meme going around a long time yes, ago. Yes, yeah. so I took all of that stuff together before, you know, we even knew they were memes mashed them and blended them together and said I'm going to run with it all the way so like a gag with Hotaru that I constantly do is she never really knows what age she is because you know she'll wake <laughs> up one day she's like normal then she's mistress nine age then she's a baby because in the anime of course they keep messing with her age you know because they wanted Chibiusa to have a friend and of course yeah Chibiusa um, and her dad is a very weird triangle, so I mess with that. And then I also, with, with Elios, is like, cause, or Helios, who I call, you know, Elios Helios, because I want to <laughs> throw everything together. Um, I try to, to, to play on all of those concerns very deliberately. And I also, especially in the beginning, because in the beginning, I was very worried about audience perception as well so i knew i wanted to have a self-insert character for fun so i decided to poke fun at that every possible chance i could get you know to like not be one of those people who's like oh i've got a self-insert the mightiest person in the universe i, I made them specifically the butt of jokes and torture and whatever not simply because i wanted to not have that ego into it later on um, I sort of <laughs> dialed it back a little because I didn't want to be so meta. I wanted to actually just tell a story that wasn't necessarily always comedic. And and so that's kind of a transitional phase you may probably haven't gotten to yet. But after a while, I mean, there's still a lot of comedy, but it's kind of evened out a little bit as opposed to going for a gag a second every second, which is how I started it. Tori and Dom, is there anything you want to ask about from kind of the early fanfic era, if you read any of it? Um, I... I read, like, the first three fanfics, and it's not so much a question. Um, the first thing I wanted to say is basically just, I really thought it was hilarious, <laughs> the whole perfection field thing um, with Haruko and Michiru, especially the one where Michiru, like, buys her own painting. <laughs> yeah, right. I was like, that's... That's so relatable because, like, if you're an artist who's used to your work being valued and you're offended, but it takes it over the top in a very sitcom way. And I, I think that was perfect. But then there's the part where Haruko is talking about her painting and she's like, oh, it's just like an ocean. And then a random stranger walks by and she's like, representing the inner turmoil of man. Right, because they cannot not impress right. random people. But I liked um, how the fanfic initially emphasize that a couple times in the first two and then by that point it was like oh you're supposed to know that because the stranger walked by mm -hmm. yes that was the reason that the description became elevated there's so these, i really appreciated that there's these running jokes that get set up pretty early huh mm -hmm. and I, li I like how you find ways to make the characters who are more inclined to be sort of like the the comedic foils, also ridiculous. So, like, Michiru, also a ridiculous person. Mm -hmm. And, like, even Hotaru, who's definitely, like, the the straight man in a lot of the humor, you still have those scenes, like, with her lamps in her room. Yeah. <laughs> like, which is really funny, because that's another thing where the viewer, you see Hotaru's room, and you're like, what the hell is going on <laughs> yeah. in here? But no, one ever, but no one ever comments on it in the show. Right. 
Yeah. Right? And so it makes Jim total sense like, to oh, make, it's so make pretty. fun of it. You know, it's like, well, there's more to that. Like, why do you have <laughs> right. a million lamps? <laughs> the I room's mean, just all lamps. Yes. <laughs> it does. It, it's great to comment on those things. It's just kind of like, there's such a tone shift between trying to make this, you know, I guess even though it's sitcom style, it actually is mostly calling attention to like the what would be more real elements of these situations. Like when we're talking about the lamps in Otaru's room, and then they move into a smaller place and they can't afford or even fit the lamps in her room. Um, I kind of am curious about like what is because I think there's something very beautiful in Sailor Moon about these things, kind of these questions going unanswered. But what is the motivation for like kind of saying, oh yeah, let's address these, uh, these visuals and, and make them very real. Well, because uh, number one, I found it just privately hilarious that, that all of this was going on. Mm-hmm. And I also wanted to ground the characters in, in the world a lot. Like, um, uh, relatedly, I, I wrote a book on Sailor Moon actually with um, a co-author called uh, uh, Re- Warriors of Legend: Reflections of Sailor Moon. I have Japan. a copy of Warriors of Legend. Right, <laughs> <Yeah>. and <laughs> the, the point of that book was showing how the real world of Juban um, and the real the world of the Sailor Moon anime basically have a, almost a one-to-one correspondence in a lot of places. So. I, I wasn't even that informed about th- those topics at the time I wrote these, but I always had that eye. I'm like, you know, they live in a house. They they've got to, they've got to fit it somewhere, and you know, they're they're rich somehow, and you know, what what would they do if the house got smaller and and all these things? And I, I just the characters kind of spoke to me in that way. I'm like, well, how would they react? And like Hotaru, she denies being goth, but she's goth and she's trying to paint yeah. the walls black and you know Maturo can't handle that so she wants a different color and you know just normal things of the everyday i guess because the inner senshi in the anime you get a good feel for their emotions and their their challenges because every episode and this i didn't like this about crystal because crystal omitted all of this but every episode even if it was filler it um it gave you some new aspect of their personality or put them into a real-life situation where, you know, if they were a teen girl and they were dealing with this, you know, they, there'd be certain feelings happening. They, they'd be sad or happy or whatever. But the outers never got any of that. So that... No, they just get helicopters. <laughs> right. Exactly. So I was like, I want to give the outers that same kind of emotional grounding because how would they react to be putting in a situation like this where their money just doesn't work and their their mysterious patron has failed them, you know? So so that's kind of where that Wait, came from. How old are they supposed to be again, the outers? Well... Oh, God. In, in, in series, they're... I technically like a 15, year older. 14, they're like a year yeah. older. Well, they're portrayed like they're pretty something adult. E- exactly. No, I know. They, they live on their own. Like it's nuts. <laughs> yeah, it's weird because in the in the manga, they're they're only supposed to be like a year older. But I I for my purposes, I I moved them about three years older so they could have a little more of a a generational and emotional gap between them and the mm-hmm. inners. Because because if you look at the anime, it really does feel like they're way more mature although one could argue now that i'm thinking about it that it's kind of a tragedy because the 
the stuff that they were exposed to and they had to deal with um, would make them would force them to become more mature. And and now that I think about it, that's fodder for another story right there. If I wanted to put their ages closer to that <laughs> yeah. of the inners. So let's move on a little bit because the project developed and you sort of switched over first to writing in the characters' voices blog posts, mm-hmm. which lasted a little while, and then you hit on using an IRC format. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about deciding or like stumbling into the IRC format and why that worked well for you? Or Yeah, sure. So by by the time I had gotten to that point, the characters were pretty much living in my head and I can I could write as them. And um, first, I thought blog posts would be good. But it takes a long time to do a blog post. And I'm fundamentally lazy. So I was like, I need to find a more efficient way of doing this. And I was on LiveJournal at the time, and I have no idea how I stumbled on this. But there was somebody doing parody MSN chats of George Bush and Kim Jong-il. And it was hilarious because, you know, he, he, they're, they're having them chat in MSN and saying the most ridiculous things. And I'm like, that's the attitude I want. But MSN chat kind of was limiting to me because how do you convey action really in an MSN chat? I'd never done role playing or anything on the internet before, so I didn't know you you know do that thing with the, like the asterisk or whatever. But I knew about IRC and I knew how they did it there with like the me command, like me slaps you with a fish, and then it says you know Bob slaps you with a fish, and I'm like. An IRC server is perfect because large groups of people congregate in one server and they chat a lot. It's just like Discord now, but it's a little more optimized for fast, freewheeling action. And I'm like, this is the milieu that if I plug, what would they do if they were all on an IRC chat together and started talking? And that's where it came from. Plus, it was a lot faster to do because I could, when you're writing a fic or a blog post, you know, you have to fill in details like this is the background, this is the setting, or these are my long expository thoughts on a subject. Whereas when you're chatting, it's more like I say a line, you react, you say a line, bam, bam, bam. And that's sort of is where I got that idea from because it goes a lot faster and you can kick out a lot more stuff and develop characters a lot quicker. I'd like to comment on that idea of kicking out a lot of stuff because i ran into suburban century around 2004 mm-hmm. or i mean i i must have because i looked into when i wrote into suburban century which i did once or twice mm-hmm. and it seems to have been around 2004 mm-hmm. and i remember my reaction being like who the hell is this person and how are they keeping this up <laughs> because in the era that i'm looking at this there's whole swaths of time where there's yeah. more than one per day coming out like for you know not 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 months at a time but like you know take a given week it's easy to find one where like the IRCs are coming out every day or more and well there, yeah cuz there's a couple of factors um at the time I wasn't employed so that is an immediate ah. productivity boost um <laughs> all, also because they're quick to do whenever I had like an idea you know I could just sit there within five seconds I could bang out an entry and and post it up online so I just I just kept going like a machine and um so so now you know that I've got like real world responsibilities my output has really decreased horribly and I hate it I want to do more but Mm -hmm. you know so every every month or so I'll try to kick something out but my friends are pestering me to (laughs) up the pace a little bit just because um, but yeah, I mean, the other thing was, back then when I, when I started it, I think this was around the time 
Um, this is a little after the time of PGM, PGSM, I think. Mm, PGSM yes. was sort of a, a renaissance in the fandom, and I was um, hosted, I got hosted by Genvid.com, which at that time was a Sailor Moon fan site. Oh, yeah. And um, that really got me a bigger audience. And when you have an audience, you're like, crap, I need to put content out <laughs> for this audience. And so that also made me push out more and more and more. And I think sort of, I mean, nowadays we have like a, a core group at my site and that's about it. So I sort of write to them as opposed to writing to the world. And that's what slowed it down a little bit more too. But it is something that I, I want to keep doing. And hopefully, you know, with something like this podcast, some renewed interest will also probably spark me to, to keep pushing forward a little more than like once a month. <laughs> but yeah. I hope so. Uh, speaking of PGSM, it was really good. And also, I, I, I found one thing that I wrote in, like, to to <laughs> Suburban Senshi, but I'm also fairly sure I wrote in the suggestion that Tomoe used the electric warp to, like, figure out what was going on that turned out to be Raybot. That's, like, the one <laughs> plot point that I remember. <laughs> oh, I boy! But I couldn't you... actually find that post. I couldn't find <laughs> that IRC chat to confirm. But I've, I, I... I've moved everything around, like, I really see I hand coded that website and I still do. At some point I need to get it all into like WordPress and a database so people can search things, but that <laughs> that's going to be a while cuz I don't fundamentally trust databases because I'm a tech and I've seen them fail too many times, but it's like <laughs> I got to do something. <laughs> you know, there's too many years of content everywhere. Uh, incidentally, Raybot is some sort of AI based on the PGSM Ray uh, yeah, whatever. And yes. that's the extent of my so, suburban century knowledge. That's yeah, all I know. <laughs> I got some context. That was one of my questions. I had some context that Jedi built Raybot and as like a pleasure bot or something. I don't know. So, that's so basically, the, 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 the quick back of the envelope arc on that is Jedi wanted to build a sex bot. He liked, he couldn't get Rey Hino because, you know, she's not interested in him. So he, mm -hmm. he decided to go after Kitagawa Keiko and made Raybot. Raybot eventually gained sentience and was like, I am not doing this. And um, over time, she, she gained more and more power being like a Shinto Miko who's basically indestructible and now she's basically the nor the god of the North Galaxy taking over for uh, King Kai who, you know, is dead. King Kai, so. well, he never did that great a job anyway. Okay, sure. um, yeah, that makes total sense. Oh, oh and this story again, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, so Jedi's always like, you know, I made a sex bot that became a god. What have you done? <laughs> but, but even that is like... On another level, it's a weird like commentary on fan perspectives of things because because of that you know half a line in the manga and an illustration that you know Naoko Takeuchi did. People pair Rey and Jedi even though there's no there's nothing there. Well, they there's actually nothing. pair all of the like uh, yeah it, in a picture. Yeah, they pair all of the and maybe a musical. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, you know what I'm saying. So no, that's obvious. What that's what I'm saying. It's just like there's that, and so of course Jadeite is like aiming for Ray, even though that there's like mm -hmm. no... right, exactly. No, yeah, right. <laughs> well, well, the other thing is like with me, I have two mentalities. I don't like continuity holes, and I don't like, and I do like weird little details that I can tease out and make something more of. So those it jumps out at me that the 
you know, they, they, they send you profiles with, like, their likes and dislikes back from the manga. Yes. It's, like, this is the first immediate plot point that Pluto hates cockroaches, <laughs> which is something that's just, like, listed on her her profile randomly, mm-hmm. like, and never addressed it or mentioned ever again. Exactly. Yeah, I, what, yeah, I had the attacker, yeah. The... <laughs> but, um... So, so, so I see that desire to take tiny little bits of continuity minutia and like run with them yes the other desire i've had is to unify all the the timelines and, and variations of the universe in some way so while the anime is my principal base i i do take um things from the manga and the musicals and other things and and work them in to the canon timeline in their own way i throw out what i don't need but i try to get a lot of it together and reconcile differences so like artemis's eyes are blue green because they're blue in the anime and green in the manga (laughs) down to that wow dom and tori do you have anything you want to ask or comment about this kind of irc writing era back when you know it was just kind of an irc uh formatted fanfic i kind of enjoyed it it reminded me a little bit of the um the Lord of the Rings diaries, the, the very secret right. diaries sort yeah. of tone, where these big grandiose characters talking in very casual speak. Right. That's something I enjoyed. <laughs> also, I enjoyed the first fanfic in general as, as a person who grew up watching too many uh, sitcoms and too much terrestrial TV. It was pretty fun to see those stories colored in an anime light. <laughs> I'm glad you liked it. <laughs> <laughs> I've uh, I've tried yeah. different formats. I've tried Facebook, I've tried Twitter, and I've tried Discord. And I think nowadays I've settled on Discord as that seems to be the new IRC. Um, mm-hmm. And also because like I wanted people to see their faces, you know, and have little avatars, which IRC does not allow. Because I know that you know new people coming to the site are like, well, who are these characters? So if they have <laughs> avatars, it's a little easier. <laughs> well, yeah, that definitely made it easier for me. I actually went through like and jumped through different sections of the archives or like the past logs and like saw it started with names and then there were just pictures and then like eventually were names and pictures and I was like, that is the best possible <laughs> option. <laughs> Yeah, because I, I was thinking about it a lot. Like, I always have that in the back of my mind. How can I make it accessible? Even though it's very mm-hmm. inaccessible anyway, but I try. Let's talk, let's transition into that. That was way better, though. That helped so much to have the name and the picture. For anyway, sure. go on. No, just like talking about the inaccessibility of Suburban Senshi. If you're unfamiliar with Suburban Senshi and listening to this so far, you might think, well, that doesn't sound too bad. It's just like a fanfic that's been going on for like, you know, 17 years of continuity and it's super convoluted. Like, (laughs) you start at the beginning, you read to the end, right? Like, and you understand what's going on if if you're insane. But (laughs) that's that's not why Suburban Senshi is overwhelming and inapproachable. It's it's got to be because of the expanded universe, right? When you're looking at the the main website, is that the expanded yes. universe or is that the main point at this point? I don't, I don't know. know. I want it, to ask about that. It's sort can, of can, can both. You... <laughs> okay, yes, I will. I will do my best to elaborate. So, can, if... can you tell us? That, yeah, what what led into what we're calling the expanded universe now? Yeah, okay. I was totally fine when I was reading the fanfic and looking at the the logs of the chats, but when I looked at the timeline, I was like. Uh... Well, the the timeline you have to understand, 
some of it is just deep lore that that hasn't been mentioned. Some of it is just the, the, the chats summarized on there, so you kind of know, like, you know, today Haruka stubbed her toe or something like that. <laughs> and um, some of it dips into the far future that I've sort of, I haven't retconned it out, but there's a separate timeline. So there's a lot of material there, but it's not required reading by any means. It's just there for, for flavor and my own reference, because I will forget things because it's, you know, 14, 15 years now. But, um, and the, a lot of things. Yeah, this is this is kind of what happened. I started the fix on Usenet. They went to my little blog on Tripod. Genvid picked it up. Then I, I self-hosted after that. But around the time of... Um, around 2004, um, I had a little chat widget in the side of the, the site. And I noticed visitors were actually coming and talking amongst themselves. So at, at about this time, I, I had to go on vacation. And I was like, crap, how can I update the site if I'm on vacation? Because back then I didn't have a laptop or anything. And I was like, you know, I could make a kind of live chat where I, you know, it would be that little chat box that I had on the side, but it would look like the IRC and put out an IRC-like command thing. And I could just log into that from remote and make an entry in of live Senshi talking and visitors could at least see that until I get back. So I did that. And then I was like, wait, why don't I just open this up so the public can actually come in and play as characters and interact with my senshi at the same time? This led to the, the IRC chat boxes that are on my site. This is when the expanded universe was born because now other people with their characters could come in and of course friendships would form with the senshi and whatever and they would start to tell their own stories so the first thing i did was um i remember there's another site i don't remember the name right now but it was sailor moon based and they had a place where um other fans could write fix and they would add them to their library and i was like i want that for suburban senshi so i was like here you guys can write stories and i'll put them on the site and I'll, we also have a story wiki we'll drop them into then as you know time went on and my focus went more towards the the chatting slash role play side of the site i started writing fix in incorporating the other characters by other people and that's where it starts to get inaccessible for outsiders <laughs> because it's like you know I'm kind of referring to events that have only occurred in the roleplay chat boxes. And so it's like, who are these guys? What's going on? And the reason I haven't veered away from that is because they're sort of my core audience at this point, mm -hmm. you know. And so I, I write the... I, I usually just role play in there and I'll do some fix that incorporate all those characters. Like there's one called Whatever Happened to the Suburban Senshi. And that has a lot of my expanded universe characters and their characters referenced in it the front page i sort of i sort of keep restricted to the core cast so that new readers can look at that and at least it's something they can follow along because it's the same tropes and everything and i'm not mentioning everybody else that they wouldn't know so i've, tr I've tried to make that distinction so technically the front page is in its own timeline the fix have kind of veered in timelines from the beginning to, to now. Um, and then the role play box is its own timeline. And and the the main timeline on the website sort of tries to break into some of that, but you'll never get a reference for the for the chat 
what I call the chat box, you won't get their um, timeline because there's too many years and too much stuff has happened and no <laughs> one's going to ever be able to write it down. So you just sort of have to jump in and grab what you can by osmosis. <laughs> but that's another question is like, how do new people enter if they're well, like, how do you get well, contacts? The first question like, is, do new well, people enter? Oh, yes, there we go. Um, It's sort of fallen off nowadays um, because we're sort of our own little niche corner in the internet. I'm hoping that after this podcast, maybe we get some renewed interest. I'm afraid our Um, audience is not as large as you might hope to renew, (laughs) you know, your community. But for people that that would join, they're here. Right, that's true. Some of them are listening. I mean, what I've done is um, I have a wiki that usually supports the roleplay site where people can put their character profiles or whatever bits of info they want. And I've been starting to structure the front pages of that to be an introduction to the whole universe. So if you go to the wiki, it'll it'll treat you as if you know you're walking into the front doors of what is now the hotel. Um, and you go in there and it'll, it'll it'll start to describe, you know, you're seeing all these weird things happening, what's going on. And then it has links to other articles that sort of give you a background to the wider universe and whatever. You're still sort of on your own as to learning who some of the other, char- like the characters that aren't mine are. But at least you'll have a sense of what is the setting, what's going on. And then you can kind of acclimate from there by just talking to people. It's not perfect, but it's closer than, than it was for sure. I'd like to ask a little bit about the community. Sure. You keep talking about having kind of a small core community, which, I mean, clearly you do. That's keeping the thing going. Yeah. How many people kind of participate regularly in Suburban Senshi? Roughly, right now, my estimate is about 30. Uh-huh. It used to be It used to be more. Um, and, of course, with real life happening, you know, because we've been on for a very long time. I mean, people who started when they were in junior high or, or getting out of college and stuff like that, you know, it's been like 13 years. So a lot of people have left because, you know, real life requirements and so you'll see like four or five of us on the regular but there are more that that rotate in and out sometimes i mean we basically just show up to role play and and blow off steam and then go off and do whatever we want um and so you know discoverability is a little hard because nowadays most people have already found niche communities in discord or or tumblr or wherever and it's hard to do outreach and you know we're so busy that it's like we can either outreach or we can hang out and have fun. So we just decided to hang out and have fun. Totally understandable. Well, I think this is kind of the era where we have a lot of questions um, of various sure. sorts. Anyone want to ask Dr. Zadium anything? I can start if you want. Go ahead. Okay. So I was looking on the uh, the Universe Wiki, right? And it had a featured article. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, sure, I'll click on the featured article. Mm-hmm. And it's for a character called Mirai Arashi. She's Sailor um, Quinox, I guess. And mm-hmm. Yeah. Her, and her... Well, to start off with, the article on her references a whole bunch of series as if they are TV series called Sailor Q, or specifically Sheen Sailor Q. And right. what's not clear from some of these articles is what form does this exist in, if any, was this a series of little freeform <laughs> role plays? Was it a fanfic? Did, does it actually exist at all, or is this someone like plotting kind of it out without writing it up fully? Basic, basically, um, those are plotted out without being written up. Okay. Although the user who does it, um, Ultramat, he usually, if he's inclined, he will put capsule summaries of the episode somewhere on the wiki. Um, he's very creative, so you'll you'll usually find some references to it, but. Most of that stuff, I would classify it as flavor 
text, even though it does get referenced um, in the box when we play at times. It, mainly, we try to treat the wiki like, say, a Marvel or DC wiki, where um, we just mention whatever we can about the character, and um, you'll see their background. And if some of it does relate to incidents that happened in, in roleplay or in fix, and some of it is just stuff that is background that hasn't been expressed anywhere other than in the wiki. Um, it's, it's hard to tell for sure. Um, but usually, like, I, what I can do is probably ask them to try and link to stuff if they have it, um, which they usually do, to, like, sub-pages if they have, like, episode summaries or something like that. Well, I'm also kind of interested in this as case studies, and in that sense, I'd like to ask you about a, a like, adjacent thing. Mm -hmm. Because when I was seeing Sailor Q, Sailor Q, I was like, okay, what's a Sailor Q? Mm -hmm. And I searched through the wiki and I found Matsumi Kaze, mm -hmm. who is Sailor Q. And her role seems to be quite different. It seems like she's a character that interacts a lot more directly with what you know we would consider the core suburban senshi stuff yes and so what what kind of like tell me is that like a single person's character and that's every time they play their matsumi kaze what's the deal with someone like that that is a single person's character and um basically over the years you know because as we've all become friends and we, we trust each other you know to tell our stories and to work together, we basically interactively collaborate. I mean, I sort of treat our chat box as like co-written fan fiction, if you will. Mm -hmm. We try to adhere to the same kind of rules um, for how the universe works, which can lead to clashes, but most of the time it's okay. And um, basically then their stories start to interlink because since I play my characters in there and they play their characters in there, in the wiki, all of this gets amalgamated into one and then when I'm writing some of my stories you know because I do like the characters and they do have the friendships I'll start dropping them into I'll drop mentions to them in sometimes um, because it is part of that universe now so it's like telling stories about the larger universe that we're all co-creating that's kind of something I was wondering about um, how would you compare the RP IRC experience to writing fan fiction because it seems like if someone wanted to like try their hand at writing fan fiction but didn't want to commit themselves to a whole story then the sort of collaborative environment might be sort of helpful for that exactly that is exactly how i treat it i mean i always tell them i think of this as me writing little tiny fix just in you know first person doing stuff um and so I try to tell stories and a lot of the other people who are in the box have their own stories too um one of the players um, Zyra Firefly, who basically is writing her own books, not related to Suburban Senshi, she drops her characters, a version of them, into our box and plays with our characters in order to flesh them out and to, because if you think about it, it's the perfect lab for figuring out how would your character react to this in this scenario, you know? So she basically takes them, um, learns what makes them tick basically and takes that information back into her own works that she's going to put out on her own um and also i wrote a book um which is under a different uh handle time machine x which is on amazon just called suburban senshi where i basically don't use the sailor moon characters they're basically xps of my characters but with different names and sometimes different power sets and so i basically refined my characters in the box and then in the book you know because i had all that backstory done i just i changed the names around i you know so that i'm not violating copyrights or anything i changed the power sets around and um you know i'm able to put out a book that way so i do definitely use it as a a lab 
for trying trying out new approaches, seeing what works and what doesn't. And when you play a character in the box and get into their mental headspace, sometimes you will surprise yourself. Like you, the character is going to want to do something that maybe you didn't even plan on in the beginning. And then all of a sudden that becomes the impetus for a new story or something like that. Uh, so it, it is very rewarding if you're willing to, to go along with it and not come in with the attitude of, oh, I just want to beat up everybody else around me, you know, which some <laughs> people have done. Um, and that's not productive because you really want to work together with people. And, you know, even if it's just um, shooting the breeze, you know, with your character and with other characters, we, we kind of describe it as slice of life. You know, we will have plots and things sometimes, but it's not required. You can basically just drop in, say hi, do crazy things, and leave. You know, nothing more than that. It's not homework. I, I try to tell people that. It's not homework. It's not a job. Come in and have fun, and then do what you want. Reading some of the um, help stuff at the beginning, I was... Because they... I guess you maybe mentioned that the different boxes are meant for different things. And uh, so Ribbon says she two is like the light role playing or yeah. slice of life. Right. Because what happened? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, and that uh, you don't even have to really develop a character so much, but the, the important to understand that even if you interact in that, in that box, you become a character in that setting. Right. The reason I, <laughs> the reason really I say that, and I know it sounds confusing, but sometimes people will come in and like, let's say your name is Bob. They'll, they'll have a character <laughs> named uh, Robert. And basically mm -hmm. they will take it. Like if you talk to them, the character Bob, they will take it as a personal <laughs> affront to themselves, mm -hmm. you know, as, as opposed to being, well, I'm playing a character and you are interacting with my character. So that's sort of me just trying to say, look, when oh. you're in that box, you're playing a character. We're not insulting you. We're not, you know, making a joke at your personal expense. It's at your character's expense. And, you know, please try to keep that distinction in mind because some people don't have, like, a line between themselves and the person that's in there. Yeah. What, what I enjoyed personally was um, I, I've been through, like, three different levels of improv classes mm -hmm. and a lot of this is improv 101 <laughs> yeah basically it's like understand you're not exact not not just you you're playing a part also you're playing with people and you can accept their ideas even if you don't like the idea but you just have to work with it instead of just completely rejecting it and molding it to something that this made by the both of you instead of just one person. <laughs> exactly. And you know what? That That's an insight that I think I'm going to add on there. That it, It's like improv because, <laughs> you know, I'd never thought about how to describe it, but there you go. It's a collaborative improv. Yeah. 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 That kind of leads into what I was going to ask is like, there's a lot of irreverency in how the characters are portrayed, especially the outer sense are portrayed in the fanfics, and then also in the chats. Like, how much of that do you feel is a part of your personality when you're, like, putting this in? And how much do you feel, like, is contributed by the community and how the community has shaped the chats? Well, I did most of the groundwork for how crazy they are. Um, mm -hmm. I, I would say that the community <laughs> has shaped them a little bit because some characters maybe have become a little more self-reflective or some have, have chosen to to react in different ways now because of lessons they've learned while dealing with other characters um, but for the most part their their insanity is all mine and um you know i just i just basically make them a little bit mature depending on what they encounter out there but again because i'm trying to keep 
the front page at least more accessible. I don't overload it with like you know lessons from other places that have no context. Uh, if you're not if you're only reading the front page, basically, I don't want you to get lost. So I don't do it too much. Now, Doctor Zadium, we it's been coming out in various ways that. Suburban Senshi evolved in ways that you were certainly not expecting and developed a community that took it in new directions you were not expecting. I'd like to ask, what's something that the fandom has produced in terms of a storyline or an offshoot work or something like that that you are really proud of or impressed by? Well, um, do you mean in the terms of how it affected my work or the work that they have actually put out on their own? I mean, just, I was thinking more of the latter, just like something that's come out of Suburban Senshi that you think is really good and, you know, and are kind of proud of for the community's behalf. Well, I'd say the work that um, my friend Ultramat does, that we've mentioned him before, he's really made a lot of lore contributions and fleshed out the story of his character um, going from very very modest beginnings to like having a very full developed character arc and other characters coming in on the side to support them he plays a lot of different characters now and it's just great that he's been able to um develop to that extent and to to add that back into the overall story that we've all told also Another trivia fact, which is uh, not well known, is that we have produced many marriages out of our uh, community. Uh-huh. I met my, my wife in the community. Um, there was um, at least one other couple that got together and got married uh, from our community as well, and one that is eventually going to get married. Um, so one thing that I'm really proud of is that we're not just a group of role players who just say hi and bye and vanish a lot of us are very close friends now we've become family like over you know a decade and we we watch out for each other if we need emotional support or anything like that you know we're there maybe not in the context of the site publicly but you know elsewhere off offline or you know through other means of chat just to like you know help people out and we we kind of stick together and that's what i'm really proud of for the most because running this site has taught me so much about people and how they think and how you know the help that people need sometimes and the help that people can provide and it's just given us all a a very different more mature perspective on human interactions in general and that really makes me happy and that's a sensibility that I try to bring out sometimes because even though the characters in my and my fix, you know, they they make fun of each other and they, you know, might say mean things once in a while about each other. They stick together. Like, if you try to hurt them, they are going to circle the wagons and come after you. And that sense of family and friendship is something that I really love and, and that I'm glad that that has been fostered and nurtured, even in myself, from everybody. This is some, like ride or die shit (laughs) (laughs) that sounds like something you should be really proud of though yeah no i i'm actually really amazed at how long this community has gone on that it answers one of my questions like you know how close are people in this community and very close apparently and and i i'm really impressed by that like i think you should definitely be really proud of yourself for that we um we haven't amazingly there are still some people we haven't met 
face to face. But what we do sometimes is we have what's called sub con, where we basically hijack a regular con, like say <laughs> another anime con up in New Hampshire, and um, we will get together and I'll fly over there and meet and actually just hang out as as friends, you know. And it's really it's really great. So yeah, I I'm happy about that. But yeah, we're very close. That um, also kind of. Oh, shoot. I had another question that I felt like was going to lead perfectly from that, and now I can't remember. Well, I can ask Um, a question that doesn't lead perfectly out of it. (laughs) Totally changing the subject. (laughs) Going going back um, into the fiction itself. Mm -hmm. Um, This work has been going on for a lot of years, and a lot of characters Mm -hmm. that it turned out in the long term were kind of hard to work with, and that you had to kind of, like, reinvent or shift drastically or kind of, like, let drop to the wayside. Michiru. Michiru <laughs> is the bane of my existence. Because in the anime, what does she really do? She hangs on, on, on Haruka's arm. Um, she, she, she might laugh a little bit. She might do some stuff, make a sly comment here or there. Mm-hmm. But she really is just sort of like, Hi, I'm attached to Haruka, and I love her. And, you know, we're in this mission together. Although I did notice that, ironically... When they first met, she was the hardcore one into we must complete the mission and Haruka had all the questions and then the the dynamic flips completely and Haruka becomes the one who's totally obsessed and Michiru is sort of talking her down. Um, But aside from that, she was so underdeveloped, at least in my eyes, that I didn't know what the heck to do with her. So I basically, I made her be like um, all sarcastic and haughty um, as in the first couple of fics, I've had her try to to say witty comments like Blackadder would when when he would um always say something about Baldrick, like he'd make a weird metaphor. I tried that. Then I tried making her a hipster. So right now she's got glasses, like if you <laughs> notice on Discord, you know she's like back in my day things were better, which I think kind of dovetails with her more elite attitude. But yeah, she's very hard, so I rarely play her. The the other one is um play or write her I should say although it's easier to write her because it's easier to to do things that make her angry than it is to (laughs) actually you know have her initiate things on her own the other one is sort of Makoto and I don't know why but it it was pointed out to me that hey you you barely ever have Makoto do anything and it's like yeah that's true and I keep meaning to fix that but I I don't really (laughs) I guess some characters speak to me a lot like I can see them having a lot of adventures and like some I don't so those are the two that really um don't really fire on, on all cylinders for me yeah, that's interesting, because if you want to talk about underdeveloped, like, Pluto's underdeveloped, you know, oh, Hotaru's yeah. underdeveloped, yeah. they don't get much either. I, I but asking Amato, like, who is Pluto, what is Pluto doing, Amato just shrugs. <laughs> I mean, basically, uh, she's a plot, she's a walking plot device, right. and yes. she's not even very good yeah. at it, and that's her. Her whole role that I perceive in the anime is that she's mature, you uh, know, yeah, she's supposed to be, like, mature. So mature mature in, and wise in, and the enigma. Right, but, but anyway, what I'm getting at is that you f- you found a lot more to latch on to, even if you had to half invent it with those characters. And oh I, yeah, I understand what you're talking about with like with Michiru kind of trying to find that stuff to mm-hmm. latch on to to work with. 
Yeah, basically, like I needed a hook, and it's hard to get a hook into into her. Like with Setsuna, her hook right now is that she is angry and bitter because she's lost her planetary status. And and the way I have things set up, <laughs> yeah. once you don't once you don't have people believing in your planet, you start to lose your power. So she's very bitter. Um, I, and, I was very amused by that. the The structure of the site is that each of kind of the main sub sites is hosted on the former blog of one of the characters and yes so the archive site is the pluto one and it's <laughs> it's pretty funny just looking at it where before you get to any kind of you know links to old content it's pluto ranting and she's been renamed pluto crossed out one three four three four zero crossed out which is just hilarious because that's yeah, the, like that's the planetoid number designation of the planet formerly known as pluto it's still, it's still yeah. called pluto but anyway well, she's still talking about like i don't even have a fucking name like... <laughs> right and so you just you just sit through all of this like ranting before you get to the actual links and it's pretty funny but, yeah, it's like here, yeah. take them, go. How do you like Chibiusa's page? I I don't think I ran into that. What web? What subsite does Chibiusa? Oh, I I think I may have deliberately taken that one out. Um, because <laughs> her page is like incomprehensible because it's all typoed. Oh my god! Yeah, no, her typos were like okay. I still understood them, but they were really hard to part. Yes, the the trick with her is you have to sound them out because when I when I do it and I don't yeah. I don't have a converter or anything this all comes from from my head. I just kind of misspell it just enough so it's misspelled but you know the the joke is supposed to be that in the future English has changed and so oh. that's why she talks like that. But then I had future future her who basically looks like a black lady but in white is like no she's lying she's being a troll. <laughs> she's <laughs> bad at spelling. Yeah, yeah. Because the the idea was that basically, um, Usagi and Mamoru of the future are too <clears throat> interested in each other to bother teaching her anything, so they pawned her off, and that's why she doesn't know anything, and so she just comes. Oh. And they're like, oh, go back in time. You know, we don't have time to deal with. <laughs> yeah. Go back because like that's why you're here, not really to train with the senshi, but because we just don't want to deal with you. Yeah, and free so babysitting. She- Right. Yeah, exactly. You, you get some of that even in the early fanfics. Well, also, she's like, what, like 900 years old when she goes uh, back in In the time, manga, so, whatever. Yeah, um, yeah. She shouldn't it... need babysitting anymore. Just, <laughs> you're just saying. I mean, if you had to raise a child for 900 years, like, how would you feel? Yeah. You know, that's uh, something I've never addressed. Like, she's technically 920 now in, in our continuity. But you're right. I mean, what was she doing for 900 years? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? <laughs> she acts like a baby and is in love with her father, who presumably, you know, Mamoru is in his early 20s. He can't look that different from his, like, older ageless form when he actually has her. There's a lot of questions in Sailor Moon art. Well, well, you know, I've actually thought about that, you know, because as an author, I have to think about it. I think the reason that that unnatural attraction exists is because if you if you look at it she's surrounded completely by girls like all the senshi and, mm-hmm. and everybody else mamoru is basically him and, and elios are basically the only two guys so yeah you know that probably just will warp a person <laughs> you know th- you're either gonna bat for the other team or you're you're gonna look for the ones that the only other ones that are there so only people I, in I, tokyo <laughs> e- yeah. exactly and of course, my timeline is all messed up because I've actually had Crystal Tokyo be done and dusted and they came back to the present day. And then eventually they get back to that point in time, have to avoid it because, you know, you can't run, you don't want to run into yourself. And then they, it moves on into like what they call the Crystal Millennium. So 
that was fun to do. That timeline is a huge knot, and I hate myself for it. <laughs> <laughs> Any other questions we want? Well, I, I kind of remembered the question I was going to ask earlier, which is, like, everybody in the chat, like, the tone is similar of the the different, you know, different posts, despite the characters having different voices. And those voices are fairly consistent, but the tones are similar. So, and it's again, that irreverent tone. So I'm kind of wondering if there is any like moderating going on in the chats or like, how did these come to be such concise pieces of media despite multiple contributors? Which do you mean in like in the live chat? Yeah. Um, we we only really moderate for um, behavior, which mm. really, everyone's been here for so long, they kind of know what not to do. Um, but as far as writing characters or anything like that, no. Because everybody plays, everybody knows their own characters, so they're going to play them with their own voice. Um, and they're generally consistent. I mean, even if they're just playing like a self-insert or something... That voice is going to stay the same. So, no, there's no overall control or dictation that says you have to play a person this way. The only time that would ever come into play is if someone says, well, hey, I want to play like a, a future version of your character that you're playing now. What do I have to do or what can't I do? But that's very rare, you know. So for the most part, um, people are just you just get good at it because it becomes another <laughs> guess, voice yeah. that you. Yeah, it's another voice that you write with. So. You know, well, it definitely seems like people have uh, really participated in this community to the point where they've gotten on board with not only what their character should be for them, but what the tone of the entire, I guess, world is. I don't know how else to describe yes, this that's... setting. I guess. Yeah, <laughs> there, there, there have been a lot of tears in that regard because some people are more serious about certain things like like basically suburban century is sort of a, a sci-fi fantasy type setting we do some hard mm -hmm. science we do a lot of fantasy you know there's magic involved but some people are more literal about things like they want consequences for certain actions whatever and we've had huge dust-ups over that in the past like you know how real should things be taken how serious or how not but that's where we you know we go off into a corner and we have a discussion and we're like you know we will we, we come to an accommodation or something you know but that that doesn't happen a lot it's just that sometimes they do have to have rough edges smoothed out like that so because we have a lot of cannons at play um everybody brings in their like their own series and i think that's why this the the site is stuck around so long because it's not like oh you have to play a sailor moon character in that my other abiding fandom that i love is Doctor Who, which I've loved since I was like five years old. So that's a huge part of the the canon as well. It's a it's a mix of the two. And um, other people have brought in stuff like Star Wars and, and Star Trek and whatever. And I find a way to make it all fit somehow, you know, either to, through time travel or whatever. But the beauty of the world as it is and what makes it so hard to explain really is that we've got so many different stories all overlapping and combining, and you've got common writers running around, and you've got kaiju, <laughs> you know, Godzilla and stuff going around. But the, generally what we do is we have one person who's called the canon keeper. They're like the subject matter expert for whichever story, whichever canon they're bringing in. Like for Godzilla, it's Ultramat again. So if we want to do something with Godzilla, we kind of approach him 
outside of the chat we say you know can we do this can we do that and that keeps a lot of things civil too because you know we're not stepping on toes probably the person who cares most about godzilla is ultramat and therefore by like kind of exactly and if you have if you have two like for me and ultramat because we're we're both huge doctor who and uh sakura tyson fans so we basically share the canon and together we make the decisions on those on on what happens and and we play it out that way so well on this note doc let me just quiz you real quick (laughs) i I just want to like I just want to feel out this canon a little bit. So how much Revolutionary Girl Utena have you gotten there? I've got some. I'm not really the Utena, the, 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 the Utena fanboy. It's um, a, a player named Yuri. She is. She will bring people in. She's got Otohori Academy in there. In in the Subsend fix, I actually have Otohori Academy in there as well. Um, and Elios um, was sort of... For a time, oh, he, did something he, happen with Dios being Elios or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I had, I had, I had, I had amazing. Yeah, merged. Yeah, yeah. Um, because it was but another. It's, amazing, e- and it's, it's so terrible with Elios <laughs> being as he is in Suburban Senshi, which is just the worst person. <laughs> yes, the worst person ever. Um, oh my god, I know. He he but actually. I love that actually. I, I sort of characterized him as a mix of um, John Cena. Eminem and uh, you know uh, Dio from uh, from Utna and just so you know... every like white fuck boy ever <laughs> <laughs> exactly yes because as I put it he's a um he's a, a white guy pretending to be a black guy pretending to be a Japanese guy <laughs> pretending to be a, a human because I mean he's actually from Elcyon so is he really a human you know and he's also a horse <laughs> yeah he's also a yeah. horse you know nine twelve thousand horsepower baby as he likes to say <laughs> let me give you one or two more pop quizzes sure um you said one of your first anime was rama one half what's the rama one half in there oh good question good nabiki question. shows up in there she's actually the accountant for the um for michiru and haruka um Every now and then there are references to the Nerima Wrecking Crew. Hapasai <laughs> and Ray's grandfather are a team, and they get up of to no good are. in very <laughs> yeah. lecherous, perverse ways. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's that. And I think I've mentioned um, Shampoo and her ramen stand once or twice, but that's generally the contribution. And how far is Juban from Nerima? <laughs> oh god, I wish I knew. My geography is miserable. Oh, I just know their wards, I... but I don't know how far apart they are. <laughs> I, I MST'd, you know, one fanfic. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was, by the way, using the the Sailor Animamates as my riffers. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, there was one Sailor Moon Ron 1 half crossover I remember clearly where the author was definitely under the impression that they were really, really far away. And if someone moved to, from one to the other, it would be like totally inaccessible. It's like, dude, you hop the train and you transfer over here. Like, it's fine. Like, yeah, it's not that far. In the same greater metropolitan area. Because I think, if I'm not mistaken, the um the stadium where Galaxia attacks was in Nerima. I'm pretty oh, sure really? it was. So yeah, they're not that far off. Dom or Tori, you want to ask one more source material question as a pop quiz? Well, I'm just... Because I'm looking at the, uh, I keep on wanting to call them lore keepers, but they're canon keeper Canon keepers, yeah. Yeah. And the number of uh, different canons ascribed to each person, like looking at Ultramat, for example, they're credited with um, Doctor Who, Dark Shadows, uh, Red yeah. Dwarf, 
Ultraman, Godzilla, Lupin the Third, Highlander, Indiana Jones, Oz. Yeah, yeah <laughs> we, we bring in a lot of stuff. Like we we do not shy away from mining other canons for for um, our box. And the way I've set up the the setting now, you can basically have anybody from anywhere at any time show up. So you know, we, we just run with it. Yeah. Like most people say that and they don't really mean it but i'm looking here and it's like oh monkey island yeah i, I guess just about anybody anywhere, huh? <laughs> yeah anything the, the, good the right? only canon i haven't dropped i mean i have dropped it in but i don't play it regularly is one piece because i i had to be a smart ass and set it in the very far future so because be, be, basically there's an episode of doctor who where um the the daleks damage earth and basically mess up the continents and there are different configurations so i was like that might explain why the one piece world is so differently shaped mm. and so uh, i had to shove it into like the 51st that's... century so <laughs> fucking brilliant and uh, and um so what i did is there's one character in our box named uh Yaijinden who's in who's in all into all kinds of like supernatural and mysterious stuff and so he's immortal he can basically get cut up and <laughs> He'll come back together. But I did a plot point where during one event, he got cut up and his remains, some of them actually go on to become the devil fruits that will show up later on in One Piece, in, when the world finally becomes the One Piece world. Of course, it seems like One Piece might be the only other um, franchise out there that has more stuff than Suburban Century. I know. And I love <laughs> One Piece. And, you know, I'm sure I'm going to have to do some creative uh, retconning once it finally does end, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> also, I don't want to be that person, but there is a typo. So, oh, a typo! <laughs> oh, a typo! You have no idea how bad my <laughs> typing is. I'll, I'll be glad if there's only one typo. Because uh, Shigeno Senshi is uh, credited to being the canon keeper for Digimon. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! I, I I'm gonna have to use that now. Which is, like, which is like might be uh, a typo, but it might be a franchise I don't know about a mom that only exists in the well, digital space. Well, you see, now it, you've got it, me it thinking. We have to make suburban senshi. Like who knows? <laughs> yeah. yeah, because now you've made it to where we have to make Digimom, and <laughs> it'll probably be you know one of real, those though. special kinds of shows, like ada ada. <laughs> <laughs> Man, so I don't have any uh, pop quiz questions because, like, I'm still... The only thing I want to say is I'm still hooked on this Doctor Who concept because the thing is is that in the Doctor Who universe, you can make anything realistic. (laughs) My main point, though, is that it's brilliant to bring Doctor Who into a sitch because Doctor Who can account for anything. Yes. It's literally, (laughs) like, the ultimate plot device is to say, oh, this is a Doctor Who reality in which we can, you know, destroy a planet and then time lock it and then recreate it and then bring it back <laughs> Well, again. Well, and let I me give you an idea of how up. I put so. that into practice. Um, in the role-playing box, the original house that Haruka and the others lived in, a TARDIS basically got fused with it, making it bigger on the inside than the outside. This was the way mm-hmm. I could explain why we have all the characters able to be in the same place at the same time without <laughs> stepping on each other's heads. Then, it's now grown to a point where it reaches across multiple dimensions, and you can open up a door and, and end up anywhere in the world or in another dimension. And so that's an excuse for characters from all kinds of continuities that we can't fit into the main one to be able to show up. Fucking brilliant. <laughs> Speaking of our experience with the wiki, 
after getting as far as Matsumi Kaze and like getting some questions there, I was just like, I'm just going to type in a random character and see like what their deal is in Saruin Senshi. Mm-hmm. I chose Seiya, who I don't care about at all, but I was just like, what what happened with Seiya? And what I ended up with was he participates in the Nonary game from Nine Hours, Nine Persons, mm-hmm. Nine Doors, along with like eight other characters. At the bottom of that, there's something about how like, oh yeah, all these people died in the Nonary game, but then they were brought back to life and then they died again in this other event. Yeah, and well, just... <laughs> say is alive again. Yuri basically runs him now, so she, I think she has him in a in a different band or something. But but yeah, I mean that happens a lot. You'll get characters that get killed, like um, like Lyrica Hubert, for example. Um, in Suburban Senshi, she's called the Vampire Lyrica Hubert because she basically wants, she's goth and she wants to be a vampire. Um, like, because in, in, in my canon, she wasn't really a vampire, she was playing at being one, um, after the whole incident, you know, with the sailor special garlic attack. So anyway, <laughs> she got killed in a nonary game. And... Everybody else got revived, and I had forgotten this because we'd we'd done a thing where everyone else got revived except for her. Nobody bothered to revive her. When somebody finally pointed this out to me because they were playing like a an alternate version of her, and I was like, wait, she never got revived? So I looked back, she wasn't. So then I was like, crap, we gotta revive her. And um they tried to revive her with the Dragon Balls and she's like, You know, I, I don't wanna come back. Why? Because I want you to make a special wish first. What? I want you to wish me back as a daywalker, like Blade, <laughs> so that I can be a vampire. So they brought her back, and on the front page, um, Haruka's chatting with her, and, and she, they're talking about the various scars and things that they have, and she's like, well, I was dead for five years. And Haruka's like, that's so metal. <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, so that that's sort of the weirdness that can happen with random Sailor Moon characters, because they're actually a team in the fix. Um... Lyrica Hubert, um, Kiyosuke, uh, the the boy who was like I think the cross dressing boy from the T episode with um, Michiru and uh, Haruka, oh, yeah. and um, oh, and Sil- was and that cross dressing? I um, Tomasaburo. Yeah, that was Tomasaburo, so. actually. Oh. Yeah, Kiyosuke is the guy who Ki- yeah, I have the- no feelings about and is boring. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that's right. It's Tomasaburo. I mean, um, and then. Uh, uh, Momoko, Momohara, they're all like their own little unit, and I need to write more stories about them, but they're basically like a, a miniature Scooby gang with Chibiusa as their leader. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, a lot. I, I like to do that. I like to take the very minor characters and give them something, but it's not all in the wiki, because I'm lazy. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Are we at the point where we want to wrap this up? Well, I, I just want to make a special note that it's interesting that the different cans that get included in this series also get kind of a suburban century treatment themselves. Oh. Like, I was poking around and I was looking at the um, Wizarding World, the, the Harry Potter one, because, like, we just finished that Harry Potter fanfic. Right. And, like, it notes in here how it how the Harry Potter world intersects with the, with the suburban century world, what's different, what canon they've included, what, what they've not included. And, like, little details, like, the Japanese Wizarding School has robes... It gives the students robes which change colors as the students progressed academically, which is like, yes, of course, a Japanese <laughs> would do that. 
Yeah, I mean, um, one thing I do say in like my introduction to the universe somewhere, and it's in the rules somewhere, is that you are not in a Doctor Who universe, you're not in a Star Ocean universe, or Warhammer 40k, because <laughs> we have a 40k player. You're in the Suburban Senshi universe, where things can be twisted at whim. So the idea is, you know, some of them we do play kind of straight and seriously, but it, the idea is to have fun, treat it like a sitcom if you want, you know, as the British say, take the piss out of it, you know, enjoy it, um, and, and and just go from there. Yeah, well, it's fantastic. Like, everything I've consumed from the site so far has just made me happy. <laughs> That's like, good. That's re- what we want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, like, regardless of whether I felt like the characters were themselves or anything else, it just, it was amusing, and it was so much fucking fun. And even when I was like, oh, yeah, it's a little hard on the Outer Senshi, I was like, but also, yeah, that's real. So, <laughs> I enjoyed the heck out of it. I'm glad to Have hear you it. got anyone coming in being like, how dare you like portray Haruka this way or something like that? Actually, being very, very offended on behalf of these fictional characters. I think maybe once in like all of 15 <laughs> years. Um, but but honestly, everyone's been pretty cool with it. Well, what has been interesting is that sometime, one time, somebody was coming into the box to try and mack on some of the characters. And I was like, oh, oh boy. <laughs> You know, it sounds uncomfortable weird. for the people yeah. playing the characters. <laughs> yeah, but they didn't they didn't take it really too far, but it was like, oh boy, you know, if this gets bad, I don't know what we're gonna do, but it, it didn't. There's so. other areas of the internet for that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there are other places to go for that. Alright. Normally, if we're closing out one of these episodes, we we complain about things about the fanfic first, and then we end on praise. It's an interesting experience this time because we've, you know, we've approached it more as an interview than as a reading experience. Well, because it's not really, we're not just talking about a fanfiction. No, so. we're interviewing the author. Right. So I feel like maybe that's not quite applicable. Hmm. I think that's true. I think one thing we could possibly do is um, talk about... I think we've already asked a lot of questions, actually. So we could we could end on just one thing we really liked about the site. Yeah, sure. And maybe, yeah, we've asked all our questions, so maybe just that. <laughs> we can find three things to praise, probably. Yeah. I, probably I, no more. I like yeah. the concept of the um, low stakes role playing fan fiction that it invites you to. I, I think that's pretty uh, because as someone who's been a professional lurker their entire life, <laughs> it's always been kind of uh, intimidating to try to put yourself out there with a bunch of strangers. And it seems like this is a decent place to, because of the diversity of canons, it's not very specific. Like you don't try something and then somebody's like, oh, no, no, that, 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 doesn't, that doesn't exist here or that's not important. That's not how we do things. But it's kind of that freedom to work in the space sort of thing. Yeah. And I think, Doc, a lot of that attitude that seems to have, like, helped the community so much, clearly comes from you and how you approached it in the first place. Because thinking thinking back on kind of the progression of this, as a writer putting things on the internet, there's a temptation to kind of overwork it, right? Yeah. And you clearly were just willing to put stuff out there and then roll with it and keep changing and experimenting how you were doing it repeatedly. I mean, we haven't even mentioned there's a whole bunch of comics using, like, you know, screen cap edits from, like, (laughs) you know, you've done a lot of stuff and just kind of thrown it at the wall and had lots of fun with it and seen what sticks. And clearly that's, like, a spirit that has gone through the community working with it as kind of an extended community work. I'd agree with that. Thank you. 
<laughs> what I want to say is, yeah, Dr. Zadium, like, we truly appreciate you coming on um, for this because as I, I've, I'd never been exposed to your site before, but there's so much community there. There's so much content. And I feel like, actually, like, it made me, I think I said this before, but it made me really happy to peruse that content because I, not just because it was amusing and fun, but because I saw the community that was created there. And what amazed me the most is that this community has gone on and is still going on into the present era. I, I didn't even think that was possible. <laughs> That's what made me really want to do this in some form is that I was, you know, thinking about, you know, doing my research, just like coming up with a huge list of fanfics we could do for the, the, site uh, for the podcast i mean and i was thinking back to like oh yeah what about that like weirdly prolific you know 15 years ago suburban senshi thing i looked into it and it was still going <laughs> and it blew my mind this is the yeah. first fanfic we have done that is both no it's not it's the second fanfic we have done that is both retro and ongoing the first was cattails oh cattails cattails yeah. is hmm. actually older than suburban senshi I keep reading that yeah and it's still going but but, but it's a senshi... very different thing cattails yeah. is one person writing it so is, is there an alfred character in suburban senshi oh yeah that, that might be from batman <laughs> yeah is alfred around somewhere oh yeah actually alfred is around <laughs> somewhere and then you've got um uh what's his name from the mummy is is basically like an XP for another character. Um, poor yeah. Batman though has been traumatized by TVU, so we won't go any further into that. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah there, there, oh. the, there's an Alfred type named Wood Woodhouse, uh, like Archer's Woodhouse. Goddamn <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. Woodhouse. <laughs> so w one last question. Mm -hmm. So let's say like I I've listened to this podcast and I'm like excited about the concept, and I go to suburbansenshi.com and I want to join in the, the fun. What's what's my first step? What do I do after that? Well, we have a sidebar um, chat box on the side uh, where you don't have to register or anything. You can just make up a name and start typing in there. Mm -hmm. The best thing to do would be to like reach out to somebody there, just like say hi, and um, then we'll reach out to you and, and talk to you and, and help you through the process of like you know what do you want to do if you want to come into the box or or you can join our Discord and just chat with us too. Um, there is a link to it on the the main site, and basically just talk to us and and if you just want to learn more about the site, you know feel free to lurk for a couple of days and just watch and see how things progress and um you know we're more than happy to welcome people we we really do want to meet new people and um you know just just say hi and it it all starts from there yeah as a lifelong lurker i appreciated you put a lurk command in there <laughs> <laughs> that was actually somebody else's idea but I, when i saw them say it i'm like i gotta make this a command <laughs> <laughs> it's important I actually have one last question too, which is like, do you feel like you're friends with everyone who is participating on the site? Or are you like some of those bitches? <laughs> like seriously, y'all. Spill the tea. What's up? <laughs> oh no, they're they're all my they're all my friends. I mean, as with any relationship, there are going to be some people who test you at times. But at the end of the <laughs> day, you know, I'd walk on. A broken glass for any one of them so you know basically if things were irreconcilable they they've left so you know <laughs> everybody yeah. who's there wants to be there and that's that's the main thing you know because we never we never say like you know stay here you have to stay here you know if if you want to be here you're here <laughs> if not you know we'll always welcome you back if you want to come back so awesome well speaking of which thanks so much for coming on to our extended fan project <laughs> We were very happy to have you for this episode, 
And yeah. I hope that some people do want to check out the website after hearing this. All right. If, thank you. To participate and, uh, or just to explore the insanity. <laughs> thanks. And you know what? Send me um, links for your stuff and I'll be sure to link it on my page too. Sounds great. We'd love that. Yeah. <laughs> we really appreciate like having this direct connect. We don't get that that often. <laughs> no problem at no, all. Doc, this was episode 81 of Retro Fanfic Retrospective, Suburban Senshi, a fan project starting in 2002-ish by Dr. Zadium and a whole bunch of other people. You can find a link there at bit.ly slash rfrss, but I think it's also just suburbansenshi.com, is that right? Correct. Okay, which is not hard to find. Um, so go find it. <laughs> the intro song for the podcast is The Weekly Fair off of the album Popey's Incredible Adventure by Komiku. The outro song is Run Against the Universe from the same album. You can find that album and other works by Komiku at loyaltyfreakmusic.com. You can find our website at retrofanficretrospective.podbean.com or bit.ly slash retrofanfic. And if you have questions, comments, or thoughts about the episode, you can contact us on Twitter at Retrofanfic, Facebook at Retrofanfic, um, Reddit at Fanfic Retrospective, send us an email at retrofanficretrospective at gmail.com. <laughs> Got a few places. We do not yet have an IRC channel or other chat box. But maybe we should. I well, mean, it seems to work for some people. We should probably have a Discord first, I think. <laughs> I think that's a modern thing to do. A Discord. But not the retro thing to do. That's right. <laughs> yeah, what were people shoot. doing, like, at least 15 years ago? Trillium? Well, Dr. Zadium would know, so... <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess people were still doing news groups, I guess. Yeah. At least some people were. That, that's exactly... Seems a little bit late in the lifespan of news groups, 2002-ish. Yeah. I think a Discord's the way to go, guys. <laughs> <laughs> You can also leave comments or reviews on the podcast service that you use, and that would all be greatly appreciated. I'm Amato. I'm Tori. I'm Dom. I'm Dr. X. We're just four Earth life forms trying to be nice to each other. Until next time, take care. So the Digimon franchise is everybody is a mom, right? <laughs> <laughs> but they're also um, when I, they're digital moms. Yeah, digital yeah, moms. Okay. So well, does that mean they're moms of things that are digital though? No. Well, like, you could tie that in really well. You got the digital baby monsters. <laughs> yeah. So. No one raises those baby Digimon. It's a missing gap. Actually, there's some Digimon. Oh my that gosh. Oh, they're, they're Digimon do. Okay, never Watch mind. Watch the show. Get good. <laughs> yeah, Amato. Come on.